Today I spoke with Helen and we got into some of the difficulties as a parent when you have a child with a disability and I know this firsthand because I work in care, I know this firsthand because my nephew is autistic and we're going to do some more podcasts, we really are and we had a great conversation, Helen is an amazing lady and fantastic to talk to, please do check the links please do get in touch if you if you're struggling as a parent if there's information that you don't know and we really would on one of these podcasts this is especially a podcast we'd love some feedback what questions do you have is there anything we can help you with please like share subscribe because it, it's times like this when we might actually be able to influence and make a slight difference thank you as always for listening Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was a general good morning. <laughs> Just a reference to people, we've actually already been talking for 45 minutes and we decided we should probably record a podcast. And um, you, I connected with you because my nephew, who uh, Mason, who is autistic, goes swimming at Five Rivers and my mum also attends but what sits in the gallery or something um yeah. I, as you can tell I didn't ask and that's how <laughs> you met my mum and your daughter Maya uses the pool yeah. as well and we should shout out to Salisbury Mencap because they help sponsor and fund the use of that pool so well done them for actually doing something yeah. unlike yeah. many of the other charities so you know yeah but like you know congratulations Salisbury Mencap because actually the feedback that everybody gives about being able to have exclusive access to the pool is amazing and they're, they're actually funding that and sponsoring it so you know if um, anybody wants to donate please donate to Salisbury Mencap. Yeah absolutely it's brilliant yeah that is how I met yeah I met your mum so so they can go swimming Dolphin Swimming Club just to give it a little plug um, it's actually called South Wilts Mencap, and you can South find Wilts them Mencap. on Facebook. Yeah, you can find them on Facebook. I think they've got a web page. Um, and, yeah, they've taken over Dolphin Swimming Club, which used to be run by a, a small group of other people. They were getting quite elderly and found it quite a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and then we went into lockdown anyway. Um, so South Wilts Mencap have kind of picked it up. And uh, it's brilliant because the um, the disabled people, there's no age limit. So it's children, young people, adults, anybody that's got a disability can use the pool. And what's also great is that siblings can get in the pool as well and carers, mums, dads, bigger brothers, you know, whoever's with they, them. They do keep trying to get me to go, but I work three Saturdays out of every four. And the odd Saturday that I have off is, is often booked up. So, yeah. But if I have a free Saturday, yeah. I have promised them I will go. I will attend. <laughs> if it's on, because it's not on every week. I think it's two. Every it's, other week or something, isn't it? Yeah. Every fortnight think, or something. Something like that. It's not quite every fortnight. I think it's. The second and the fourth yeah. Saturday. 
something like that. Yeah. But you can get in touch with South Wales Men Cap anyway. But that's how I met your mum because your sister gets in the pool with Mason and um, me and your mum and some other parents and carers just sit around on a yeah. sofa. We've yucky. offloaded the kids into the drowning area. So let's all have a nap and hope they'll be okay at the end. So, yeah, and it's quite good for me because, well, it's good for my daughter. My daughter's 23 and um, it's great because it's one little tiny step to kind of trying to cut some of those apron strings because I know she can get into the pool and she can swim perfectly fine. So she can go into the pool and she can see people that she knows and say hello to them and do a bit of a social thing as well as swimming. And um, I just think that's really good. And every so often she sort of looks up and looks over like this. And I, I go, hi, you're right. <laughs> but, but that's what's wonderful about these things, isn't it, is um, as, as somebody that used to work at a day centre, it's in, independence is an overused word. And yeah. I, I would describe it more as allowing them to feel comfortable because one of the things with people with disabilities is they often feel over supervised yeah and they're quite capable right. yeah they're quite capable in the correct environment of making their own decisions about what they want to do and don't want to do and they're often over supervised and that yeah it, it can erode their confidence and it can erode their self-esteem yeah yeah I think you're right I mean obviously that's different for everybody isn't it their level of ability um but but yeah certainly my daughter um has a very independent streak I mean she will never be able to live like you or I you know completely independently but she's always had this independent streak so she's never really missed me, you know. Because so they often best... know their own mind. They know yeah. they know who they are and what they would like to do. They yeah. often don't yeah. always understand that it's not possible um, or they don't always have an in- insight into all the problems that might lie ahead. But they know <laughs> yeah. who they are. All the consequences yeah. <laughs> yeah. of yeah. what they want to do. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, something's just not a good idea just (laughs) but yeah no you're right they do I think most of them do know their own mind and um and know what they want to do and therein lies the frustrations and the problems for them and for everybody else because very basically a lot of them aren't able to communicate their needs for a start that can be difficult and then even if they can it it usually ends up with someone saying, well, you can't no. do that. Yeah, well, because one of the things that... Uh, There's no budget for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you done a risk assessment? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I'm going to share a story a story about Wiltshire Council, right, when I worked at oh, Wiltshire no. Yeah, and I don't give a shit oh, about naming and, naming and shaming them. They can seriously, part of my friends, they can fuck off. Right? <laughs> I used to work at a day centre with them, and the the... the, the on the whole, the day centre staff were great, you know what I mean? But I remember we used to do this walking group. And it, it is funny. It is funny, but we used to do this walking group. And like like they do, the vehicles needed to be upgraded. So they got rid of this big minibus that could carry, like, you know, 12 people, I think. 
and because I kind of have granddad rights on my license, I could drive a minibus with over 16 people in it. And yeah, you know, it's one of the I've only cool things. Yeah. See, one of the only things that's cool about getting older when you look at younger people, you can't do shit, mate. My license is worth a fortune. <laughs> yeah. I can drive a truck. Yeah, I can drive it. a bus. Yeah, I can do it all. No one actually even checked to see if I'm quite, you know, that I should be allowed to drive. It's just like, yeah, go ahead, David, fill your boots. <laughs> and so we went from like they lost one of the big minibuses and we went down to a Volkswagen Charan, which actually only seats five adults, yeah. including the driver. So you have a driver, which would probably have been me, and you had another support worker. So that only allowed us to carry three people, right? <clears throat> I think it was that. It was something like but it was basically there were six in the group and so six seats available, seven in the group. So I went in into the office and say, oh, somebody can't um, come come out with us um, because there's not enough seats. And straight away they went, that's not your decision to make. I said, I, d I don't understand. You're, you're not you're, um, you're not in position to make that, that those sort of decisions. I said, I haven't made the decision. Volkswagen did. And they went, no, I don't. I don't. And exact words were, no, we're telling you, you can't make those decisions. And I went, I'm not making the fucking decision. Volkswagen did. <laughs> There's six seats, seven people. What do you want me to do? Put them on the roof rack. Yeah. And this woman, and I'm not, I'm tempted to name her then, but I won't, is, was fixated. Tell me on, after. Yeah. <laughs> um, was fixated on, you can't make that decision. And it even came up in my following supervision a month later. We want to speak to you about you making decisions that you, you, you're not allowed to make because you're a support worker. And it's like, I didn't make the decision. It's maths. If there's six yeah. seats and seven yeah. people, somebody cannot go. And still, yeah, but you're not allowed to make that decision. I didn't. The fucking video no. did. And there, there is that mentality. And it's it's not just, you know, and Ben, I will also, for reference, I left Wiltshire Council in 2011, so it's probably a lot worse in the last decade. Um, um, but, the, you know, the, you run up against these problems, you know, mm -hmm. and people kind of, like you and I were joking uh, earlier about the David Williams, Matt Lucas sketch where the computer says no. You, you come up against these problems in daily life. By the way, that was a reference to PC coveries. Don't we? We're not happy with you either. So we're coming after all of you today. And come back to that. <laughs> yeah. And but when you have somebody with a disability, that the problem becomes tenfold where there's a lack of understanding. Yeah. Absolutely. There's this assumption, even even though somebody, and that might be a child, a young person, or an adult, or an elderly person, even though they ha Although I will say, I think there's a lot more acceptance and a lot more willing to bend the rules around elderly people. I'm not saying everything's perfect. It's definitely not. Mm. But um, but yeah, they all governments and authorities and local councils do seem to still have these little boxes that you have to fit into. Yeah. And if you don't fit into those boxes, you you won't get any kind of help or support or funding or respite or whatever, it, a wheelchair or whatever that might look like, you know, nappies, 
pads, whatever it is, you won't get it unless you tick the correct boxes. I I could give you several examples of that. This is the whole, the purpose is, it's time to vent. The orange box is coming out and I'm going to stand on it. So um, recently, uh, so when my daughter was 18, she was assessed as an adult. And that's that's what happens. She's 18 now. She has to be assessed as an adult. Okay, fine, fair enough. So social services assessed her as an adult, and that threw up many, many things. But one of the things was that we got respite. Okay. <laughs> I was like, well, that's great. I mean, it was, you know, put the bunting out, put the flags out, crack the champagne. I've been fighting for some sort of respite for years. And I was told, no, you're not eligible. You're not eligible. You're not eligible. And I was going, but we're eligible. We tick this, we tick that. No, you don't. No, you don't. And suddenly, they I didn't even ask for it, this particular assessment. But they came back to me and said, right, we, we can offer overnight respite for Maya. She needs it. Oh, does she? Well, that's great. But why? Why does she suddenly, because she's had one birthday, one day, what has changed? What and changes, I asked, she, she now needs a break from her mum. Yeah. She's, she's an adult said. now. That's what they said. And I said, well, that's great, but she's been needing a break from me for the last God knows how many years. And I know that. Yeah. I know that because she's my daughter. And that's what I've been trying to tell you. But anyway, I was great. Like I say, you know, cracked open the champagne, got the bunting out. We got overnight respite. It was wonderful. But because for all those years we didn't fit in their little box, we we couldn't get it. And I kept on trying to throw different buzzwords into the conversations. And I kept trying to um, explain different aspects of our home life you know she's sick of me I'm sick of her but and and sometimes they would come round and I would make sure I didn't have any makeup on because I thought that might help but you know it but it didn't and and you just think well how do you actually get that help well one way is to turn 18 evidently and the other thing is is that um about the same time they were roll well. I, I believe they're still in the process of rolling out PIP, the personal independence payments, yeah. which is taking over from the old eventually DLA, the Disability Living Allowance. Yeah, which were personal payments before that. Yeah, they love an acronym. So, you know what I mean, how, how many oh, initials can we get into something? Oh, I know. Don't you just love it? And. Um, so I decided to try and apply for PIT for her because I thought, well, she's over 18. They've, they've given us respite. This might be a good time to do it. So I, I phoned them up and they said, yes, yes, we're rolling it out in your area, is what they said. So applied for PIT. Sounds, like um, sounds like a BT or cable package, doesn't it? We're rolling out in your area. Would you like to upgrade your internet? Yeah. <laughs> you can upgrade your charge so, now. Yeah. But evidently she was, you know, we were suddenly getting this stuff. So um, a lady from our um, 
from our surgery. She's some kind of a support worker, lovely lady. She came out and she helped me fill out the PIP form. That was excellent. And uh, then that came back and we got the higher level of mobility. So we were eligible for a mobility car. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Nothing had changed. Maya was still Maya. You know, her needs had been the same for years. Anyway, because we got the mobility car, I thought, hmm, should I apply for a blue badge then? Because that's a separate thing. So I applied for a blue badge, jumped through all those hoops, got a blue badge. Thought, whoa! About three weeks ago, (laughs) the blue badge is due to run out. Okay, it expires. Um, So I had to reapply for it, and it took me three and a half hours. Three and a half hours on the computer trying to find all sorts of documentation, all sorts of proof, all sorts of all sorts of stuff, basically proof. Um, yeah. right? And that's fair enough. And I kind of I kind of understand that because otherwise they'd be just giving out blue badges to every Tom Dick and Harry that asked for a, a blue badge. I, I appreciate. You can't do that. But at the same time, my daughter's 23 now, and she has her main diagnosis is a chromosome deletion. Well, that's not going to change. It's not going to improve. If anything, she's going to get worse if it goes either way. Um, What? I've been eligible what or Maya, sorry, who's been eligible for it once. N- nothing is going to change. Nothing will change. Nothing does change. There are tiny milestones, tiny little steps that do improve, yeah. But generally speaking, in terms of blue badges, there's no. This so why do I have to do that? And why... Do we have to do it so often? And why is it such a long process that takes three and a half hours to do when you've already got, they've already got the the diagnosis. All the details are on the system. Literally, all you should have to do is say, is Maya still alive? Yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. And we've still got a car. (laughs) Or even if we don't. The blue badge. Yeah, you're right. It goes with her. So even if we didn't have a vehicle, she could use it in someone else's car. She, That's you the could point. take her out. Because people, yeah, exactly. people don't understand is a blue badge isn't registered to a vehicle. It's registered to a person. So yeah. literally all you need, should need, is Maya's national insurance number because that dictates that she's still alive. Yeah. Right? As exactly. long as that national insurance number is still valid, i.e. Yeah. she's alive, then maybe we could attach... Just, just for no, there's no need to have a mobility because it's not registered to the car. So, right, you still alive? Yeah, okay. Here's your blue badge. It, it yeah. should just be a process. I mean, you could do it. You could yeah. still renew it every three three years because there's a photograph on it. Um, yeah. or every yeah. five years, yeah, fine. But fine. It, it shouldn't because this is the point. People say, well, somebody could abuse it. No, because any traffic warden or police officer is entitled to ask to see who the badge belongs to. Yeah. Exactly. And I I don't want to break people's cynicism here, but there isn't actually that many people abusing the blue badge system 
No. It's, you're only talking about the difference between somebody that has to walk 20 yards more than someone else. And I know it is open to abuse, and I know that there are examples of people that abuse it. But trust me, you can't get a blue badge unless you can prove you have some sort of a disability. Yeah. So there may be a family member who occasionally abuses that blue badge system. Right. That doesn't still change the fact that you're, you can stop the person applying for it. That's just somebody abusing the badge that doesn't belong to them. No. You know, so yeah. it shouldn't be hard to access a badge if you need one. Shouldn't be hard. And then, of course, on the subject of reapplying for things along that line, my daughter's got a um, disability rail card. That has to be reapplied for. And a little cinema card. Yep. Yeah, that has to be reapplied for. And it made, I've written to Carers UK about this actually and said, look, why do, is there anything that could be done about this? Because I can't be the only person, well, I know I'm not the only person who gets frustrated because, like you say, there's surely, when you first apply for them, you have to give, you know, proof of diagnosis, proof of this, proof of that. And that's fine. But once you've given all that evidence and all of that proof and documentation, that is surely sitting somewhere. Somebody has seen it and approved it and ticked it off and said, yes, a bit like a passport. When you get your first passport, that's quite hard. But then all you do is renew it. And like you said, with the photos, you might have to give a, a more up-to-date photo, right? We all change. But um, there must be a way of just maybe going to a third-party website and saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is Maya. She needs a new cinema card. She needs a new blue badge. She needs a new rail card. There must be a way of linking them up somehow. Like I say, maybe with a third party where we can just go there, <clears throat> disabled people can go there and go, yeah, I need a new one then. It's the same, Not three and a half hours. Well, I, mean, I know this because my sister did it the other day. She had to renew her driving licence and she did it online. I think it cost yeah. £15 and took her about 30 minutes. Right, But, but nobody's assessed to see if my sister can drive or not. No. You know, and, you know, my no. driving licence is up for renewal in two years' time. But no one's going to make me sit in a car and see if I can still drive. No. And, and there's plenty of people that tell you I can't. <laughs> and the thing is, like you say, like with Maya, like, like with Mason, Mason's autism, right? Where Mason sits on the spectrum, he's not going to turn 18, 21, 31, whatever, and suddenly be independent. He's no. never going to have a high level of independence. It's just not. right. So he's always going to be either... <laughs> I have to apologise now because I nearly said freeloading of my sister, right? But I mean that lovingly <laughs> as an uncle who loves his, his, his nephew dearly. But, you know, the family joke is he's always going to require some form of support. Yeah. That's never going to change ever. No. So <clears throat> at what point should he have to stop filling in forms? I know. It, it, it's not like – I think sometimes the problem with disability is it's tied into things like unemployment. Yeah. It's just like, look, there's Mason is most likely he's never demonstrated that he's going to be able to have a job. 
you know right. he just he he's you know he's 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 autistic he's yeah. he's quite high on the spectrum he can communicate but he can only communicate with what he's interested in and trust me yes. it won't be a job you know yeah that that's never going to change no. and you know that the house could be on fire mason's not going to get yeah. up and leave the house we know this because when the smoke alarms get off go off he doesn't even get up and move you know and if he does move, <laughs> it'll only be to put headphones on because the sound of the beeping's annoying him he doesn't like yeah. noise so yeah. it's not oh danger there's a fire yeah. maybe the room full of smoke is an issue no mason's and like where, where's my where's my um handheld computer thing that's Where's interesting about yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've said very recently about um fire in particularly in particular um because Maya if you ask her in the right way yes um and I, yeah if you ask her in the right way she will answer by saying that you know if there's emergency what do you do but if if you word that slightly differently, she will answer by saying, oh, I pick up the phone and dial 999. If she knows okay. what to recite. Now, when she says that to a social worker or a teacher, some teachers, some teachers are really switched on, um, or some sort of professional, they automatically think, Okay, so in an emergency, Maya knows exactly what to do. Yeah. But the, there's a bigger picture here because Maya, one, she knows what to recite, exactly that. The other thing is, is that Maya doesn't actually know how to use a phone, which is really interesting. And the other she, thing as well, sorry, I don't mean to, I bet you Maya doesn't know how to identify what an emergency is. Exactly. She no, and, and this what is, is what people emergency? don't get. This Maya doesn't Maya doesn't have any road sense. No, you know, traffic. Like you say, if you say Maya, if there's an emergency, what do you do? She will say, "I pick up the phone, I dial nine nine nine, speak to her." But like you said, she doesn't know how to use the phone. Doesn't know how to use the phone. If you ask her the definition, go. I was going to say she can pick up the phone and she can call grandma, my mum. Yeah. And I don't know why, but she can pick up the phone, the landline, and um, she can dial the number off the top of her head and she sits there. And as soon as even the answer phone cuts in, she goes, hi, grandma. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there going, hang on a minute, it's the answer phone. <laughs> or, or it might be grandma. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, she can't use a mobile phone, which is interesting. She just, she's clueless. Yeah. Um, and anybody else, if I ask her to dial a number on the landline, she, she can't. And it's really, it's that transference of skills. It is, yeah. I think. And, but yeah, danger. She's got no sense of danger. She, she, if someone walked up to her in a big trench coat and said to her, would she like to see puppies and baby horses? She'd be straight there, especially if they had pizza as well. She, oh, if, if, she would... To be fair, if you're handing in pizza, you might tag me as well. Probably... <laughs> <laughs> well. Puppies and whole baby horses, you've got my interest, but if you're chucking in pizza, I'm in. Pizza as well. Yeah, if you chuck Come in on. pizza, I, yeah, so, you've got me. So if yeah, anyone's she... trying to look to kidnap a middle-aged 47-year-old white man, 
You just need puppies, ponies, and pizza. Puppies, ponies, and pizza. All the P. There's another acronym there. See? They just roll. PPP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ironic personal safety equipment. Do you know what I mean? Personal, <laughs> was it personal protection or something? Yeah. 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 But, but she's is. got no road sense. She can't cross a road on her own. And that's been used against me as well because she did some travel training when she was um, at school, at Exeter House School. Now, this is no reflection on them at all, no. not in the least. But she did some travel training. Um, and then I had a social worker say to me that Maya could walk somewhere in town. And I said, well, what? No, she can't walk anywhere. She's got no sense of danger. She can't cross the road on her own. And the social worker said to me, oh, I thought she'd done travel training. And I said, well, yeah, but have you spoken to the school about that and how it went? Mm. And, you know, what the outcomes were? Because everyone's all about outcomes. That's um, outcomes. It didn't go well at all. So, um, and this and is the point, though, isn't it? Social services will say, going back to your box and it's being ticked, but she's done travel training at school. Okay. Yeah. Where's the box that says, should be a, she be allowed to travel independently? Because that box doesn't exist. Listen, can I just stop you there? Can we just pause for two minutes? Yeah. Please. Because my, my Tesco delivery is just a <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's all right. Two minutes. I'll literally dump it on the floor. Sure, and I'll come worry. running. Back. There's uh, no frozen. The, or the like only that. thing. The only thing that might. I, what I'll decide is whether I want to edit this out or not. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes, folks. No. <laughs> I'll be right back after this ad. Yeah.
so after that short ad break, we are yeah. back. Tesco's have delivered. Well done. So, yeah, because there is this frustration, <laughs> isn't there, around the council? And, and it's not just Wiltshire Council. It's all of them. There never seems, and no. I know this from my sister's experience, one of the things that has actually messed her up a few times is she'll find out she's not um, that there's a benefit that she's entitled to because Mason is autistic. And then when she applies for that benefit, they take something off her after telling her she's supposed to be applying for it. And she just like, yeah. but now I've lost that. Well, yeah, you can't have that because you're entitled to this. She, yeah. And she, she ends up, and, and people don't understand, for people that don't quite get it, what happens is it often once you can apply for something, you've been told you can apply. It might be about three, three to six months before you get the money. Yeah, and it won't be backdated either. No, it won't be backdated, but they will immediately stop the money that you were receiving. Yeah. There's no transition. And sometimes no. if they've decided you shouldn't have had it, they'll want it back. Yeah. And you're left with like, well, you've just taken £100 a week off me because you yeah. said I can have £90 a week from here. So I'm £10 down a week anyway. And now you're saying I've got to pay back that £100 a week for the last... 12 weeks or something and i'm not going to get the 90 pound a week which you're not going to backdate until somebody gets off their ass and ticks the box and it will then eventually go into my bank account oh and you will then also want to see my last three months pay slips again and oh, yeah. bank statements every um, time you change something i have to give you my bank statements my pay slips even though i'm still working at the same place still doing the same job you want it all over again because you changed something. Yeah. And it's, and I, like, literally, I, I, I don't know how to fix that part of the system because, and having, I work, still work in care and haven't worked in care for a long time. People just don't give a shit. No. No. No, they don't. And it's, um, Oh, it's just so frustrating. Maya is now, she's, like I said earlier, she's 23. So she's now on universal credit. But a similar problem that we had a few years ago, when she was 20, um, we had to stop because children's benefits have to stop at some point yeah. and they have to then obviously be transferred to adult benefits but it's so ridiculous because Maya has to they have to apply for those benefits in their own right and and you kind of think well okay on the one hand I can see that because Maya is her own person and she needs that money herself but on the other hand how how is Maya supposed to apply for that well so I apply for that on her behalf. But then universal credit, um, it becomes really tricky. So, for example, at the time, Maya was in full-time education at a specialist college. and um, But they were stopping the children's benefits. Um, so I... <laughs> had 
to put in an application for Maya for universal credit. But technically, she, she had no right to apply for universal credit because if you go, I don't know if this has changed, but at the times, this was three years ago, if you looked at the universal credit website and all of the eligibility, she didn't tick the boxes at all because if you're in full-time education, you can't apply for universal credit. Right, okay, you can't apply for the universal credit, but so what do you apply for? Well, there's nothing, you fall off the edge of a cliff. So me and my friend, because her son was in the same position at about the same time, we colluded, we spoke to John Glenn about it, our local MP. We've spoken to him about many things over the years. Do you find him Um, useful or helpful? He can be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's, but there's also, I think there are some situations where however sympathetic he is, there is actually nothing he can do, I think. Um, My politics is not conservative, but I do have, personally, I've got a lot of time for John Glenn because he's always got time. He always makes time to see people. That's my experience anyway. And he always listens. And I'll tell you now, if he sees me and Maya out and about anywhere, Maya's straight there. Hi, John. And you know what he does? He doesn't flinch. He smiles. He beams. He puts out his hand to shake her hand and he says, hello, Maya. You know, I, I, I'm not aligned to any political party. I've never, I've never been aligned to any political party. Um, And I always, always say to people, don't listen to a party. What's your local MP like? Vote for your MP, not the party. Not the party, yeah. And I honestly do heartfeltly believe that if people focused more on their local MP, they would have better accountability. Yes. If you stopped aligning yourself, because like you say, John Glenn uh, is a conservative MP. Anybody who knows anything about conservatives, <laughs> it's one of the safest seats in the country, right? Uh, and, yeah. <clears throat> and the thing is, like you say, if you if your MP is accessible and your MP knows who your daughter is, there's not much no. more you can ask. No. And if everybody took that approach to their politics and stopped voting for like parties just because I always vote conservative, I always vote Labour. Or the one that I hear is I would never vote conservative or I'd never vote Labour. How about voting for an MP that does a good job? Yeah. Don't worry about the tie, the colour of his tie or her tie. Just do they do a good job? If the answer is yes put it all aside and vote for them and communicate with them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because if they don't know what the problems are, then they've got no chance of fixing anything if they don't know what's broken in the first place. One of the things Um, that I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and we're going a bit off track, but I'll just finish with that, is, and I know it's a very polarising subject, but Brexit. Brexit should have taught the public one thing. MPs are accountable. 
because whether people like it or not, a majority voted to leave. And when the MPs ignored it and Boris Johnson said, I will deliver Brexit, he got the largest Conservative win in years because it was no longer first past the post. It was done by constituencies. And yeah. people don't realise Labour safe seats like the one that Tony Blair used to be in went Conservative, turned blue for the first time in their history. But somehow, having and, and the reason that sh should stick in people's heads is because it's the first time that the public demonstrated the power they had over politicians and they've relinquished it all again. Yeah. The, the best way to control politicians and the government is to get rid of them when you don't like them. And you can only do that if you vote for the MP and not the party. That's true. And that's, that my is little, true. that's my little rant over. But Brexit was, whether like people agree or don't agree, in terms of constituencies, I think it was 70% voted to leave. And when yeah. that was ignored by the MPs and the election came along, Boris won by a landslide. Only for that reason, nobody voted for Conservatives. They just yeah. voted for the guy that was going to give them the vote they, the way they voted. Wanted, had, yeah. Yeah, it had nothing to do with Boris Johnson, had nothing to do with the Conservatives. It was a Brexit vote. And you ignored us, and now we're going to do it anyway. And this is what you've ended up with, because politicians ignored the voters. And now voters are ignoring the, the power they actually hold. Yeah. 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 It is. And it's a shame because there are many things that the country does well and there's many things we could do better. And one of them is stop fucking tick boxing. Because <laughs> going back to something you, you and I were talking about earlier, there is, and, and people who, families who have children that are disabled, um, people that work in the disability sector will know there is a vast majority, and it is a majority, if they have a disability, it will be for life. It's yeah. not going to change. They're no. not suddenly going to wake up tomorrow like some scene out of Shrek because they've taken a magic potion and changed into a completely different person. It's not going to happen. And if they need supported living, it's, it's going to happen. You, you will know that by the time they're 15 or 16, whether they're going to need continued support. Right? Yeah. And you, with a lot of them... like. You and I know this very well, and we cannot stress to people enough. The the line between those that will become fully independent is thin, really thin. It's a tiny, tiny majority, a minority, sorry. So if your child, and to be perfectly honest, if you get a an assessment that says your child needs to go to a specialist school and specialist college, they are never going to, it's unlikely they'll ever become fully independent. Yeah. And I, and I remember when my sister was trying to get Mason assessed, it was massively difficult. They resisted giving him the assessment because they literally didn't want to admit he was autistic. No, they, the thing is, is the money, isn't it? Because the minute he's got an autistic diagnosis, then um, particularly with education, he, he has then got his, a budget. Yes. And that budget, there are, I believe I'm right in saying within education, there are five um, grades yes. of that budget. It does. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 
it it's a nightmare and also if if mason had been able to go to a mainstream school is he at a mainstream school no he was he was mainstream all through primary school all through junior school he was mainstream oh, even though he had been assessed um yeah. and it was frustrating at times because some teachers were brilliant some teachers would be like well mason's a problem no he's, he's fucking autistic you know it's, yeah <laughs> you know to be fair most of the kids were amazing and parents yeah. were so brilliant some of the parents the, the way they helped mason the, the way they were understanding was amazing yeah some of the teachers were shit yeah just yeah. horribly bad see that speaks volumes doesn't it the thing is is that i do know that what often happens when children are able to go to a mainstream school yeah. But they do have a recognised um, disability, so they've got an EHCP. There's then a budget that goes with that. Yeah. But what happens is that budget, I don't know if many people realise this, but that money is not ring-fenced. No. This it's is... not ring-fenced. So that money just goes to the school, and it's up to the school how they spend that money. Yeah, and I don't so, think Mason got anything. Although it might say on your EHC, on the child's EHCP, which is like the old statement, but it's now a bit, it's now an EHCP. Um, it might say, oh, you know, this child needs one to one, twenty hours a week. Um, yeah. needs uh speech therapy two hours a week. That child. It's not unusual for that child to not have any of that support because actually the head teacher has decided that the budget, that money is better spent on, I don't know, going towards the budget for the new classroom or something yeah, like that. And, and it's completely acceptable for them to do that, which is absolutely shocking. It's crazy. And I know for a fact that Mason never got any support like that. Um, but he's now uh, he's now a specialist uh, school in Melksham. Uh, okay. he, he commutes there every day with a taxi, and yeah, so um, he's in secondary school. And but he, he, even that is problematic, you know, because yeah. I think one of the things that's really difficult for for everybody is the people that are supposed to know what you're entitled to. <laughs> won't tell you and they, do. they don't know i sometimes think they do know and just don't want to, unless you ask the right questions and and that's what i mean it's deceitful or yeah. if you ask the right person yeah sometimes i've asked people a question and they've said oh no 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 you can't do that but then um so maybe that might be a social worker. Um, yeah. it, and then social worker might change. And so a few months later, I might ask another social worker the same question. And they'll go, oh, yeah. How much do you want? <laughs> you're like, this what? is it. This is it. The standard of, of so. training and knowledge. And as well, people don't understand how frustrating it is. And we all experience this. And, and I still experience this in care when like social workers key workers whoever it is they change so frequently yeah that you get somebody turning up 
who just and it's not their fault. They have no idea who 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 your daughter is. They have no idea who Maya is. And then they come at you with all these questions about why do you do this? Why is it like that? Why isn't she doing this? Why? Do, and you're just like, okay, do you realize you're like the third person I've spoken to about this in the last 18 months? And you've all, you know, like, do you not read the records? Do you not read, you know, you're supposed to have a person-centered bio. You're supposed to have like the likes, the dislikes. Who is this person? What does this person do? What is this person? They're normally like colored placards, laminated you know yeah. you lot go they go crazy for them yeah but they seem to disappear into a vacuum every time somebody leaves yeah and you know the amount of person-centered meetings i've turned up to over the years and they do all of these things who's this person what's this i don't know why i'm waving my arms half the people that listen to this are on audio but <laughs> um and and it all like you say it all sounds great but it's it's never passed on no and they're so worried that everybody's trying to abuse everyone that they forget that no, like ninety nine point nine percent of their families love them to bits, are proud of them. Yeah. Just, just like there's nothing they won't do for them. Yeah. Well, well, we're worried that um, you know, that there's going to be financial abuse. She hasn't had her benefits for three months because you keep fucking up the paperwork. Yeah. The family are the one paying for them. Where's yeah. the final, the money they won't get back either? Exactly. It's crazy. It's so crazy. The whole system is is the wrong way around. And um, I mean, what we should be doing really is looking at these children and adults and saying, okay, what is going on in your life at the moment? What is working? What isn't? What would you like to do about that? Yeah. Because if you think about your life, my life, I mean, I know things have changed, systems and processes and procedures and, yeah, you know. We've the learned a few life lessons along the way, changed but, our outlook. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? When you were a child yeah. and you went to school, you nobody assessed you to see where you needed to go to school my my theory has always been and and i was very ignorant and naive when i had my daughter when i had maya i just assumed that she was going to go to the playgroup in the village where we lived at the time which was where her older brother went to and where our neighbors went who she saw and she was familiar with them um and everybody in the street went there and, and then they went to the local village school and, and I just thought it would be the same for Maya, but obviously she would need a lot more support. Um, and I was really shocked. <laughs> I was really shocked when a learning disabilities nurse said to me when Maya was two, that we would have to drive like, I don't know, six miles down the road there was a really good play group and they had a lot of experience of special needs and it would be perfect for Maya. And I was like, but, but there's a play group in the village and everybody we know goes there. And my husband at the time, we only had one car and my husband at the time started work at like seven in the morning. So I was, uh, how are we gonna get her there? 
it, this is mad. Why can't? And and the learning disabilities nurse just said to me, Helen, that doesn't work like that. She's going to have to go to a special school as well. Oh, no way. I mean, not because I had a problem with special schools. I used to live close to a special school and they're brilliant. But because our local school was really close by, I just assumed that she would get the support she would need in the school. And, and I was so shocked when I was told that. I mean, I was more shocked at that than I was when I was told that, you know, it became apparent that Maya was somehow different and somehow had some kind of disabilities, but we're going to have to do tests and figure out and get a diagnosis. That was fine. I was just like, right, do whatever. What do you want yeah. from me? But being told and that being told that she couldn't go to the local playgroup in the local primary school meant that instantly what happens is these people normally when well more and more when they're children are taken out of the local community then that's yeah. what happens yeah and and then you're excluded and as a mum i was uh outside of the school gate there's, there's an irony to that because, because it's just crazy and yet i think i know where you're going well it's because they 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 take it's like you said they they, they they exclude them from mainstream primary schools and like play groups and then try and teach inclusiveness and I understanding know. the disabilities well it's like you realize there's four people in the village with disabled kids who, whose brothers yeah. and sisters come to the school and these children all meet them when they play outside of school and outside of playground. And actually, yeah. if, if you, like, I, I appreciate that there is a difficulty in, in some aspects of funding and understanding because disabilities can be complex. And my sister had the opposite problem with Mason. They didn't want to assess him. So he didn't get any help until he was about eight years old. Oh, right. And anybody that knows Mason knows he's autistic or knows <laughs> he has a disability. You know, it's just, um, and then I know what you mean, though. Sometimes it's just so the it's just so obvious. It's in your face. Yeah, well, There's no. If you see him, yeah. If you see him standing there, like side, you know, OK, he doesn't stand out as being having a disability. You try to communicate with Mason. It's quite clear that he has a disability. And also, actually, there are sometimes some signs, because if he's going somewhere, he's noise sensitive, and he normally wears Sonic the Hedgehog type headphones. Um, and it's quite clear they're not headphones. So you can sort of sometimes see, and he often wears a placard so that people, so if somebody, because if somebody tries to talk to him, you just hold it up and put it in your face. And it basically says something like, my name's Mason, I'm autistic. <laughs> yeah, you know? because uh, yeah, like you say, he knows how to do that. Yeah. What he doesn't know is how to tell you he's autistic. And unless you know how to ask him a question, unless you know how to communicate with him, yeah, you're not going to get any answers from him that are helpful. And you can't yeah. teach somebody how to speak to an autistic person because the next autistic person will need a different way to communicate with them. Exactly. And we're back to those little boxes, aren't we? And trying to fit tick yeah. boxes, fit people in boxes. And, and no matter how much... The authorities try and fit us while, while teaching them at school, they're all individuals and no one's the yeah, same. I know. Oh, by the way, you're in a box. 
So, I mean, I think obviously we, we it's need crazy. To, we need to round this up as well. I would. Um, what would you say to people who are listening to this and are struggling? You know, like because they they have a young child. Where would you tell them to start? Parents talk to other parents, reach out to other parents. There's many, many, many groups. Whatever you think your child may have as a diagnosis, even if it's not a diagnosis, if you think it might be something similar, look it up on Facebook, find a group, find a group on Instagram, find a group on Twitter, find a website with a with a group. Care is UK are great as well. They have a lot of um, forums and YouTube. They've got a YouTube channel with some helpful videos on there as well. But I would say talk to other parents, reach out to other parents and chat to other parents because the biggest nuggets of knowledge that I've been given have been handed down to me from other parents who have already trodden the path, if you like. You know, they've already gone on their journey. Yeah, and that's the yeah. truth though, isn't it? It's true. They and they they're the they're the people that have really helped me so much. And don't believe just because a professional tells you something, yes, make a mental note of it and bear it in mind, but it might not actually even be true. Yeah, don't believe them. Definitely. Um, it might be right and it might be true, but it might not. So you you must be open minded. You must be open minded to ask the same question a million and one times and you, to the point that you're sick of your own voice. But ask it because somebody may well give you a completely different answer. And then once you try what they've said, suddenly loads of doors open. So. Talk to other parents and be open-minded and don't just take someone's word for it either. It and you you're gonna have to be strong. Oh, I'm getting all emotional now. It, no, it's, it's not going, it's not gonna be easy. It's which but is this another is why it's out. But this is this is it. This is why it's important to have these discussions, because it's not easy. And the system could be a lot better. And it actually, do you know what? Just just um, for a starting point, all they would actually need, and I'm surprised that more organisations don't try and do this, but I guess it's not their responsibility. A great place to start would just be to have a centralised office in the county somewhere where if your child has, but do you know what I mean? It's like, we will tell you what you can have and what you're entitled to. And everybody in that office... Yeah, but nobody knows. But that's what I'm saying is, there are, and even if they do, like they, you said earlier, they don't want to tell you no, because that, they're scared that their budget's going to be gone in five minutes because everyone's going to want it. But that's what I'm saying is that what we really need in the sense of how we rejig or how we change the system is we we need some sort of setup where there is a centralised office, right, where if you ring into that office and you tell them your child, and you tell them the assessment or whatever, they will say, right, from this age to this age, this is what they're entitled to. What are your earnings? What, what's the background? This is what you're entitled to. Okay. And then these are the forms you need to fill in 
Yeah. And and because one of the things like you say, because it's so hard and so stressful, one of the reasons for that is because they make you feel on your own and you make you feel isolated and you don't realize and you constantly have to fight for support you're actually entitled to have. Yeah. And and that's the thing I think most people eventually find so infuriating is you're entitled to it. Yeah. And, and a lot of families just give up. Exactly. They give up because it it's it's okay. You you can have this, but by the way, you can only apply for this form under the full moon and the Capricorn sun rising. If the wind's blowing from the east, you've got a 200 word password and you fill it incorrectly the very first time with yeah. uppercase explanation marks and numbers. And then, then as long as that was completed between 9.30 and 4.30 on the 4th of March, you can have it. If you miss any of that, you can fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. You know forget I mean? it. Oh, you're and, right. Yeah. And by the way, if you do fill all of that in and you do get accepted, we're not backdating it. And for crying out loud. No. Don't change jobs. Don't if the don't government change, changed don't. the system and we call it something else, you're going to have to reapply again. Don't change your mobile number either. Because that was <laughs> right. From that up. point, just hold your breath until your child is 21. Don't move, don't pee, don't eat, don't smile, don't do anything. Listen, I would be interested in any feedback on how any of the systems could be improved on a serious note because I'm involved with a House of Lords um, committee, a special committee that's been set up to try and improve social services. So any constructive feedback, I would be really interested in because I can then feed it back into them. But I personally, I think the whole thing needs to be abolished and just rebuilt from the bottom up, not from the top down. No, it it definitely needs to be um, completely rebuilt. And and one of the things that governments have to stop doing is changing the payment system. It should be separated from... I'm just going to briefly go into this. I had a friend of mine who sadly passed away this year. and he, he was one of my oldest and closest friends, but he some years ago was sectioned and eventually basically was like, he's never going to work again. Okay. Cause of his mental health. And periodically his doctor would just write a letter. This is it. And eventually the benefits system just left him alone because he was never returning to work. He never had, there was just no way he was ever going to do that. All right. And, we have to have something that's much more simple where it, it's like, look, if if your child has an assessment, look, we have to start with an assessment. There's no way around that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But at that point, you should almost be given a passport. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, you know, because you get a passport, you get a driving license. I mean, Jesus Christ, we nearly had a COVID passport. You know, we've all got COVID passes, this pass, vaccination passes, you know. So we, we need something like that for people with disabilities. So their families can just say, here you go. Here, here's the membership card. And I don't yeah. mean it to sound that crude. And I do apologise if you're easily offensive and you're that stupid. But it's, 
right? We just, but you do need some form of something that identifies this person as they 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 have a disability and they need an assessment. And from that point, you should then be separated from the benefit system. Yeah. So you don't have to keep reapplying. It should be yeah. an automated system. You know, and look, and I'm sorry, but you end up having to grade these things like it's level one, level two, level three, level four, right? But at that point that it happens, you will always get that. Yeah. And the only reassessment should happen around 18 or 21. You know, because you're switching from um, specialist schools to adulthood. And, so, and yeah. some people can, with support, have jobs. Some people can have minor roles in full-time work. You know, it, it does vary. And it varies with the, the the type of work and the type of supervision that's available and the, the complexity of the job, you know. Um, but at that point, you can just roll the system. Yeah. It, it's, and it's like, right, if you're, I know, I, I, you know, and I wish I had, this is that thing I was telling you about, I don't mean it to sound so clumsy and I wish there was a, a nicer way to articulate it, but you do need something that just is a grading system, if you like. So yeah. once you've been, um, you know, you, you, you're allocated, assigned, whatever, like I said, it's it sounds very horrible when you say it like that. But at that point, you should then be going, right, here's your bundle. Here's what you're entitled to. And it shouldn't then be questioned. Yeah. It shouldn't then, you shouldn't have to fight it. It shouldn't be like pulling out toenails. You know, no. it's just like, no, this, this is what you, and everybody should understand that. Instead, weirdly it's one of the few times you need to stop treating people like individuals and you need to actually give somebody a package you know yeah. like right this is everything you're going to need yeah and it, you know and you can have flexibility it doesn't have to be set in stone but that's where individual assessments should be done but to yeah. start with it's right right here's your package we're going to, you know, you've got this for six months, then we're going to come along and see how you are. I don't know. There's there's a better way than that, but at least it's somewhere to start. It's a really good idea. I think it's a Careful. really good idea. I do. I am, um, because, because the thing is as well, is that there's so many different agencies, you know, there's, there's so many different people. I mean, some families are dealing with, well, I was going to say NHS, but there again, within all the different people yeah. that a family might be visiting within the NHS, there's the GP over there, there's someone at the hospital, there's someone at a separate clinic over here, there's someone who wants an assessment, but they can only do it at school on a Wednesday morning. And then there's somebody who is, you know, I had to take my daughter to Swindon for a yeah. speech and therapy assessment. And then I was told by that speech and language therapist that she said she tried to be gentle about it, but but she said, I can only give you two or three appointments at most because there's only two of us working the entire area of Wiltshire at the moment. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a shortage of speech and language therapists because I used to use them for uh, one of my clients privately we'd have to you know we'd pay it's ridiculous it's so ridiculous and then you've got you might have um mental health yeah um issues in which case you've got another whole bundle of people 
that are involved and they might be all over the place. So you've got all these different agencies and that's without even thinking about money and benefits. And, and some of the money will come from Wiltshire Council. It won't come from the Department of Work and Pensions. <laughs> and then some of the money comes from HMRC. It doesn't come from Wiltshire Council or the DWP. And it's like, what? And, and then some carers also have a job. Yeah, my hat goes off to them because in the last 18 months I've taken on a job and I've had to give it up because of um, my caring role and and the toll it was taking on on my health and my mental health and and it's it's just ridiculous and yeah that's the point though isn't it ultimately what this comes down to is we're trying to like please understand stop treating um the families and their children like inanimate objects yeah because when they're sitting at home they're stressing they're worried and they're not just worried about them today they're worried about who looks after them when i'm gone because i don't trust the system now because the, the system is getting it wrong and there's no one in the system looking after me now. And there's no one looking after in the system looking after my child now. Everything that we have, we've had to fight for, even though we're told we're entitled to it. But you don't tell us what we're entitled to. So no. I know you're not going to do anything to protect my child. And what? who's going to look after that when I'm not there to do it? And... Like I said, that's it's a whole nother podcast, I think. Then that's where we're going to finish today. <laughs>